Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the FYE podcast. Due to technical error, we lost some of our recordings for the introductions of this program. But today's episode is with very special guests, Dr. Okiada Morales and Brenda Salguero from the Monsters podcast. They're going to be here to discuss ghost stories, urban myths, and much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show with Dr. Saldivar, who will be leading the podcast for this episode. You know, we were planning for the podcast and thinking about you know, what topics are relevant to students. But I think when we got to October, we have to do something related to Halloween, related to Dia de los Muertos, right? And just the spirit of the month now. Um, Cynthia came to us and she said, you know what? I, I think we, we need to feature these two guests because they are doing some amazing work on a podcast. And so you all have the Monstras podcast. Give us some background. Tell us about the podcast. Tell us what, you know, what people can expect to find when they listen to the podcast. Well, I can give like a, a general overview and then Brenda can give a little bit more of the history. So the idea of the podcast is we talk about Latin American and Latinx horror, folklore, weird, creepy tales, anything that we find fascinating and we think other weirdos will find fascinating. That's kind of like the general description, but at the heart of it, we really wanted to share and center Latin American and Latinx stories and voices because there was definitely a gap in media broadly, but definitely in podcasts, mm -hmm. in English language podcasting. Um, so um, we've done things from like La Llorona was our first episode and it's still, I think one of our most popular. We've done episodes on like La Mata Viejitas was a serial killer in Mexico. So it's like a really broad range of what we cover. So you, you mentioned that you, you felt like there was this gap. And I know like if you, you spend any time searching, whether it's iTunes or, or SoundCloud, you know, just supernatural horror podcast kind of runs the gamut. There are all kinds of shows. I listen to quite a few because I love, I love the supernatural um, and, and ghost stories and all of these things. I think coming across your podcast or being introduced to it, um, I immediately, you know, just started listening and I love the material. I love the take that you all do because, you, you know, you talk about popular culture, you talk about the history, you talk about in relation to Latin America, Latinx culture. And I love all of that. I love just the, the take. The, the ghost stories and, and the telling of these stories, is that something that's always, that you've always been fascinated with and always been interested in? Yeah, I definitely have always been interested in, in creepy, spooky things. I actually listen to a lot of true crime. Um, and so that's kind of how, what I enjoy is, because first of all, me and Orquidia have gone back and forth on this. I am definitely a skeptic and she is definitely a believer. So <laughs> I always- We are not gonna start this debate here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always like, oh, I don't know. I love the stories. I still love ghost stories. I love the supernatural. I love it. But I just don't think it actually, there has to be like a different explanation to me in my head. Yeah. Uh, or as some sort of scientific explanation to it. But I still love it. And I still grew up with like, weird stories like my parents used to tell me such crazy stories about like el cadejo was one of them you know being salvadorian and central american and so there was this other story that he, my dad would tell me about this haunted carriage that would drive through the streets but the only way you could see it is if you put like los cheles los cheles the of a dog uh -huh. into your own eyes which I was like, that is a recipe guy. <laughs> Excuse you. So, <laughs> so I'm not gonna, I was not happy about that story that much because of the pink eye. But it's, it's these stories that I grew up with that, you know, really got a hold of me yeah. uh, from a very young age. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how these stories sort of transcend, right? Age, they passed on, right? Generation to generation. And, you know, just real quick, 
I grew up in South Texas. I'm originally from El San. My grandmother spoke Spanish. My parents didn't teach me Spanish. So I, the little Spanish I got, I got from my grandmother and then learned it right after the fact. But I remember when I, I knew enough Spanish and she started telling me ghost stories and these crazy stories about growing up because she grew up just outside Matamoros along the river and, and telling me these crazy stories and about La Llorona and just other things. It kind of, it, it elevated almost our relationship. It just changed it, right? The, the ability to tell these stories and to share and to, to share these experiences. And like, for me, it, it is, it, it's, it's a personal thing. It's, it's just, uh, it, it's so tied to my family and to the history and culture. Um, Orquida, how did you, like, what brought you to this material and I guess genre? I had a similar experience. And I, I think like, Jose, what you were saying and Brenda, what you were saying, like these are stories that transcend national borders, generations, languages, they're multilingual stories. And there's, there's something about them. Like I, I grew up watching horror movies as far back as I could remember. Like my aunt would babysit me when my parents were working and we, she lived right next door to um, a video rental store in Reynosa. So it was always like dubbed horror movies. I remember like that's what we watched. And I was like a little kid on the bed just watching these horror movies and loving every second of it. Part of growing up always felt like you had to terrify the younger kids. So I was one of the like older kids in the group. So I would always try to come up with scary stories. Like that was just, I don't know. I think that's what makes us part of what gives us our sense of humor, our toughness, that level of bullying that we just grew up with. <laughs> like we just love terrifying each other I'm not sure why but it but it is it, it's a weird connection that we create through these stories through being scared together it's so funny because I'm a big horror like buff always have been it's a, a way me and my dad used to connect over like reading horror film reading books and watching films my daughter is in third grade and so she was like learning about book genres and she's like mama I need to know a folk tale do you know any and I was like I know about La Llorona you know she's eight years old and so I started telling her the story and she like freaked out she was like why would you tell me that and I was like it's just part of that like connection so she was sitting here next to me and she was overhearing and she's like yeah mama you told me those stories too and I was like yep you gotta keep it alive <laughs> Yeah, that goes into like one of my questions that I had, and it has to do with like television and film, the effect of, you know, the professional studios making these movies, like let's just say The Curse of La Llorona, right? And how it actually affects the real story or the telling of the story from, I guess, traditional folklore and how it changes within the actual film itself. So I hated The Curse of La Llorona. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say <laughs> That was yeah. and that's why and I that's why I asked. I honestly wanted to hear it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I wanted to hear your answer. <laughs> to start, but but I do think like so. This is my favorite story of Day of the Dead. So I don't know how many of y'all have watched the James Bond movie with Daniel Craig, uh, Spectre. So he's in Mexico City. There's the Day of the Dead parade. It's huge. It's beautiful. The year after the movie came out, Mexico City had its first Day of the Dead parade. So the Day of the Dead Parade in Mexico is influenced by a James Bond movie, which to me is fascinating because it gets back to this idea of like, what do we consider authentic? Where's the real folklore? Where's the real story? And it's dangerous, but it's also really cool to know that the idea of authentic isn't really there because we just, there's so much exchange going on, so much back and forth. As much as I dislike The Curse of La Llorona, it was amazing to see that story on screen. It was amazing to see it part of, I think it was the Conjuring universe. So it was like a big franchise. So those things are, are great for representation. It's just a matter of getting more. 
right? Getting more so we can have more variety and we can have more things that maybe I'll find authentic and others won't. It's a start in the right direction and it really reflects kind of how varied our, our folklore and our histories are. Yeah, and I would definitely second that. It's, I too hated that movie. I mean, it was, it was not good. It was just not good. But I did enjoy the fact that here we have uh, a monster, a monster, right, uh, on screen. And it's our heritage, our background, the stories that we grew up with now have a platform, a bigger platform to reach other audiences and people. And they can be like, oh, my gosh, you know, what is the what is the story behind this? Like, what is the history behind this? Like, I want to know more. And I think it's good to have people have their interests piqued by uh, these films and these movies. I mean, you have Paranormal Activity was another one that I think that did uh, like a Latino, Latin, Latinx kind of family. That's awesome. I mean, to me, it's, it's a good first step in the right direction, I would say. <laughs> They're not there yet, but it's a good step in the right direction because to me, it's like, finally, finally, people are recognizing we have scary stories too. Like not every story has to come from Europe. We have unique stories. We have unique backgrounds. We have unique monsters. And I think a big part of it too, Nick, getting to your question about like the industry itself, like we know that Latinos watch horror films. Like they are the, the biggest buyers when it comes to like uh, buying theater tickets, they outbuy their share based on like population wise. So we go to the movie theaters more than uh, other populations, but we definitely see horror films more than other genres too. I think it's horror films and comedies or something like that, but definitely horror films are up there. The Curse of La Llorona and The Nun are movies that we helped get them that profit that they got. So it's really important to acknowledge our power when it comes to that. We're like, you know, our money is very much green for Hollywood when they want us to see a movie and they're learning to tailor for us. They're just not quite there yet. But I think Coco is another example of, of them kind of working with cultural consultants and that's why the movie was definitely more rich than, than some of the other movies, but it was also, you know, catering to, to, to that dollar. You know, um, I appreciate, well, the honesty. I think we all knew, like, what you, when we asked, when Nick asked, like, your thoughts on La Llorona, I think we knew what was coming, right? Um, I, I saw it, my wife and I saw it, and, and um, I appreciate your response because I didn't think of it, my immediate reaction was I, I didn't like it. But I think, I think a, a really valuable point that you bring up is, the power of just seeing our story up on the screen and the story that we can relate to and so familiar to us, at, at least to, to people, you know, of Latinx culture and communities, it's not common, right? We know that it, it doesn't happen all the time. So now thinking about that, yeah, this was a story again that was shared at first, like with my grandmother, right? And then that, that my friends and anytime there was a sleepover, right? You turn the lights off and let's tell scary stories. And to see it on the screen, yeah, there's power in that there really is. And, and I, I do hope, like you said, that Hollywood does recognize, right, the buying power of Latinos and, and uh, especially as, as it relates, well, to all genres, but like, especially with horror movies, because I'd, I'd love to see other, other stories that I think that are shared in our community, you know, make their way, you know, into Hollywood. I'm hopefully done in better taste, but, <laughs> but still, just to see them up there, I think would be a huge step. Yeah. And I think Brenda and I would ha happily uh, do serve as cultural consultants for any of these films. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, um, how did you do meet each other? So uh, the, we, the way we met is we met through the Smithsonian Latino Center Museum Studies Fellowship Program. So we both applied. I mean, obviously, yeah, we, I think you were in Texas, right? At the time still in Orquidea or were you in Chicago? I was in Michigan. You're in Michigan. Sorry. I always yeah. say Chicago. <laughs> 
you know, we met through this program that essentially paid for us and flew us out there and gave us a six-week experience within the Smithsonian. And we learned about uh, Latinx culture, Latinx collections, all this other stuff. And so that's how we met. We were part of this cohort. I knew she was into spooky things. So that's when I was kind of thinking about this podcast. Because uh, I was like low-key mad about like low representation. You listen to a lot of podcasts, right, Jose? Have you listened to anything, uh, this podcast called Lore? I have, yeah. So I love that podcast. But they did one episode on uh, a South American folklore. And I loved it. And mm -hmm. I wanted more. Mm -hmm. but they would not give me more like no one. And I was looking and looking and looking for more of these stories. Who's telling yeah. these stories and no one was telling them. And so yeah. I was like, well, gosh, darn it. I'll do it then. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, remembering Orchidia from the Smithsonian, I was like, you know what? I know she was spooky. I know she loved this creepy stuff. I bet you she'd love this. Awesome. Yeah, you're, you're right. I do. I do. I do listen to lore and, and yeah, I'm, I'm always, you know, every time I tune in, I'm always hoping that there's a story that I can relate to or is familiar to me, but, but now it, it's rarely the case. And wow. that's the problem too. It's like, yeah. I listen to so many stories. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to so many stories and they're all the same, you know, white ghosts. They're the same, mm -hmm. like Eurocentric ghosts, you mm -hmm. know, Victorian lady died to be waiting for her husband. And I don't know, it's, it's always the same kind of rehash thing. And and I just, I just got tired of it. So what would be a good recommendation? You know, someone that doesn't know anything or doesn't, has not really paid attention to the genre and is looking to like jump into it. That seems to be very representative of the culture and the actual background of the story. Does it matter the genre? No, I mean, it, maybe anything with, I guess, uh, Latinx. I mean, I'm, I really like films from Guillermo del Toro, Pan's Labyrinth. Like every time I watched it, I cried. Um, what's like maybe something you would keep an eye out for? That's what I was trying to think, because I know that the documentary um, Horror Noir came out last year, which is a documentary on like African-Americans and horror films. And it's based off a book by Robin Means Coleman, which is great. But there's nothing like that for Latinx horror. There isn't. There's a few like, I'm thinking of books like scholars that have written about Latin American horror. But then we get into the conversation of like Guillermo del Toro, for example, is he... Latin American horror or Latino horror or both and where's the distinction and but yeah like straight up not a lot of people are doing it like there's no like intro to Latinx horror that I that, that I can think of off the top of my head what about the tiger the eyes tiger what is it called the tigers are not are, are not afraid yes thank you yeah. Welvin. um that's a really good movie I highly recommend it if people haven't watched it um, what, what is that again? Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh -huh. uh, the director I is Mexican. Um, uh, her name is Isa Lopez. Um, she's working on other stuff produced by Guillermo del Toro. Um, but that movie is really beautiful. And um, it's kind of like, it has a similar feeling to Pan's Labyrinth mm -hmm. and a lot of Guillermo's work. I'm calling him Guillermo like I know him. Del Toro's. <laughs> Oh. But that's that's what we do as Latinos. <laughs> it's like we do, like a, you know you know memo. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, it's based. It's like from the perspective of children. So it's children in Mexico who have lost their families because of drug violence, and they kind of start to see these ghosts. Especially a little girl, she starts to see these ghosts, and it's kind of like connecting their trauma to these spirits and this like larger um, drug and state violence. So it's. I would highly recommend that. 
And oh, another film, like if you're like, want to start off thinking about Latino horror, um, watch Dracula, the 1931 one. Brenda, have we talked about this? I can't remember. So, I don't Dracula, think so. <laughs> Dracula in 1931 with Bella Lugosi. There was, um, this is when Hollywood was starting to make talkies. They were doing talkies, uh, so they were moving into sound. Um, so, they were filming some movies in Spanish because they didn't want to lose Latin American audiences. So, they made Dracula in English and Spanish at the same time. And so, they oh, would wow. film Dracula during the day with Bella Lugosi, the English version, and then the Spanish version in the same sets at night for a lot less budget, of course. So if you watch them side by side, that will give you like your intro to Latinx horror in like four hours because they're, they're really fascinating. There's so many differences. Uh, Lupita Tovar is in the Spanish version and like her outfits are much more revealing than in the English version. So you can kind of start to see how Latinos are represented in horror yeah. based off of those two. I've heard of a, one film, I, I think, but I think it's like a Spanish movie. I'm not sure. Uh, but my family used to watch it a lot when I was a kid, and it's called El Orfanato. I saw I've, I've been listening to, to your podcast and just, just trying to get caught up. And, and I, I think what I appreciate is, one, I appreciate the banter and the conversation between the two of you. And I love, because I think early on, I think it's, it's, I think it's episode one of, with, with La Llorona, where, Brenda, you say, like, you're a skeptic. Like, I think it's, like, right off the bat. Like, but to hear the conversation, the banter, and then, and then to talk about some of the, like, the, like not only the history of the, of, the, of the story, but to talk about it in popular culture. And so I was, um, this morning on a run, I was listening to, your, to the one on zombies. And, uh, and so to listen, like you're going through like 1932 and 19, but yeah, I had no idea. And especially like, I love the zombie genre. And to me, it just gave me a whole different idea, different perspective, made me think about like, the, you, you talked about like the makeup and how like, it, even how they're portrayed in, in film, it just changed over time. And I love that. And so as you were, you all were coming up with the idea and Brenda, you said, you know, you know, you reached out to Orchidia and, and obviously, you know, she loves the spooky stuff. As you were thinking about how to put a podcast together, how did you decide like, this is what, this is like the format, this is what I think we need to talk about. So, I mean, one of the ways that I was thinking of it is that we are both kind of from academic backgrounds. Orkida more, more, much more than me, because I only have a master's. She has a PhD. I was coming from it, um, and I also listened to a lot of podcasts. Like I said, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. And so thinking of what I liked in a podcast and what stories I liked, I was thinking of lore, I was thinking of all these different things. And I was like, well, and I also was thinking about myself you know, personally, because I always felt kind of disconnected from like my Latino Latinx culture and heritage. You know, I grew up with parents who were like, I would ask them, you know, what am I? What am I? You know, I don't look like everybody else, really. My Spanish is different because I grew up in all Mexican, you know, neighborhoods. I don't, you know, my accent was Salvadorian. And so I was like, what am I? And they'd be like, you're American, you're American. Don't worry about it. And so one of the things that I really wanted to do with this podcast is, is partially rediscover these stories for myself as well, because it's been erased in, in my background. And so I think it was, it, I'm fascinated by the background and the history when it comes to, to ghost stories. Mm. I don't care about the ghost. Okay, this ghost is scary, whatever. I want to know how they died. How did they get so angry that they stayed behind? Like, I want to know the backstory. And so that was kind of when we were thinking about and and brainstorming, you know, Orkidia has a very 
uh, research heavy. Like she's, she's very, I mean, super knowledgeable. I couldn't ask for a better like co-host cause she's very smart. And she has this way of like putting things into perspective and explaining things in a really great way. And I was just thinking more of like the format and like the marketing and like all this other stuff and together combined, you know, like Captain Planet, I guess. Um, <laughs> it became this, uh, this podcast and <laughs> that's kind of how I was thinking about it. Like, yeah. just, I want to hear the backstory. What is the backstory? What is the, the history behind this? And I, I think that's why it works so well. Like we really complement each other with our, our, our skills and our interests. I want to see the ghost. Like I want to do the pop culture stuff. Like I want to do that. What does it mean? The history is cool, but I'm horrible with dates. Like I, I'm not very good with history. So for me, it's like, I want to think about what does it symbolize? You know, why are we doing this type of ghost? Why, um, why do we keep seeing it in films, television, art, whatever? Yeah. So I think it just works really well together because she, she keep, she, we keep each other kind of like accountable for those two parts and that creates the whole story. Yeah, I think that's how we can make so many episodes. There's so many episodes, not so many, it's still like one or two, maybe three that we've had like serious tech issues on my end that I forgot to, you know, I clicked record, but the, it wasn't working and we have to uh -huh. re redo it or the fan was on. Or, yeah, I am not very tech savvy. <laughs> At the end of the day, it works. And I think that that's that banter that people pick up on from yeah. the very first episode. Like we're just, we have what we want to say. And then it's in that exchange that you really kind of get yeah. the, the spirit yeah. of it, pun intended. <laughs> and and I, I just have to throw a, a nod to, you know, growing up, you know, in South Texas in the Valley, uh, I, I grade school for me was like 80s, early 90s. But I remember, you know, for a lot of us, a lot of my friends and classmates, we would get really excited about ghost stories. We always had this one substitute teacher that that's how she like wielded power over us. It was like, you all settle down and I'll tell you ghost stories. And she had the greatest ghost story. She always told ghost stories. But the other thing that we had was in elementary, there are always reading corners. And there was this book, um, Stories That Must Not Die. And I remember we used to get, and there was, it was stories about South Texas. And I remember we used to fight over that book and there was usually like one copy and, and whoever got their work done first was going to run and get it. And we'd sit around and we'd read it. And then it led us to telling our own stories. And that's, I think that's the power, right? Of, of this, of, of telling those stories. And yeah, it, it's just, it's an escape. It's an entry into another world. But in, you know, we learned about our culture. It got us excited about reading, about storytelling. I mean, it just did so many things for us, um, you know, at least for me, speaking for myself and, and remembering to when I was a kid. So I, thank you. And thank you for, I think, for, for highlighting the, a lot of the stories that so many of us have grown up with. I, I know I really appreciate it. And, and so thank you. So we're, we're coming up on, on our time. This concludes another episode of the First Year Experience podcast. Um, we'll see you all later. Bye-bye.